You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to The Boutique with Collective 54, a podcast with founders and leaders of boutique professional services firms. For those that are not familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community dedicated exclusively to helping you grow, scale, and exit your pro-serve firm. My name is Greg Alexander. I'm the founder, and I'll be your host today. And today, we're going to talk about stakeholder alignment and how difficult that can be at times when you're attempting to scale and maybe someday sell your firm. And what I hope, with the help of our role model, um, is discuss ways to do this from a non-founder's perspective. We have uh, really two kind of broad people that are in our community. We've got founders of boutiques and and our founders, and I was one of them, have a certain profile. And then we have presidents slash CEOs who took over founders at some point and are growing, scaling, and selling those firms. And they have a different perspective. And uh, we're going to hear from Peter Bellello, who is a member of Collective 54. He's our role model today and is someone that... Uh, is in that category as, as a CEO, non-founder, if you will. So, Peter, would you please, uh, well, first, welcome to the show, and uh, would you introduce yourself to everybody? Thanks. Uh, happy to do that, Greg. Uh, Peter Bellello, SimData's president and CEO. SimData is a boutique firm, of course, uh, in the area of product lifecycle management. I've always told people that uh, good news we're global, the bad news is we're global because we have to travel. last two years hasn't been as much travel, but it's definitely cranked up again. And as a company, we do management consulting work uh, across companies that make just about anything and anywhere. And as a company, we've done work in about 50 countries, and uh, I've been uh, and on six of the seven continents. <laughs> and where are you today, Peter? It sounds like maybe you're in one of those remote I, uh, I'm in Ger northern Germany today. I uh, traveled from uh, India yesterday, and I'll spend a couple of days here and then go back to the States. But I was in India, and a couple of weeks ago, I was in India, and... That trip ended in a week or so in the Netherlands. So you never quite know, but then I'll be home for a couple of weeks and go back to India again. Well, you're a great member, and thanks for squeezing us into that very hectic international travel schedule. Um, Peter, I'd love to hear a little bit about your personal journey, because as I mentioned in the intro, um, you're the CEO of the firm, but, but are not mm -hmm. the founder of the firm. And I'd love to hear when you took over and who you took over from and, what, and how all that happened. So I'll give a little bit of background. The organization itself was founded in 1983 by three gentlemen. Uh, two of them I never met. The third one was the chair uh, chairman when I joined the company in the late 1990s, so 97 or so when I joined the organization. And I came on board as a senior consultant. I had already a number of years in industrial experience in the area of product lifecycle management, what we call today, and became at some point, because my background in system integration work and large-scale projects, I became our director of consulting services for industrial companies. We worked with industrial companies and with software providers and service providers. Uh, and then uh, my, the president at the time, who was not a founder either, uh, but we reported to the chairman, of course. Uh, the chairman passed away uh, back about 20 years ago, and I was made vice president uh, by the, the, the CEO at the time, or, or president, we would call him at the time. And then uh, he passed away, unfortunately, about... Uh, well, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago now, and I was promoted to president and then added the title about three or four years ago of CEO as we've recognized the expansion of the business and also the um, 
the way we present ourselves as an organization. So it's been a progression as you know, starting as a senior consultant, moving into director position, moving into vice president and then president. I think if the pre- previous uh, president had not passed away, probably by this point, I would be president. He would be chairman. Uh, what we ended up doing is doing some restructuring after he passed uh, with responsibility. Uh, our, our One of the other, not, again, not founders, because the other founder passed away as well. So we haven't had a founder in the organization for about 15, 20 years. But most of my colleagues, like the chairman, has been with the company since 1990. Uh, CFO, a little bit less than I've been. You know, I've been 25, 26 years. CFO, about 24 years or so. And there's a few others, you know, 10, 15 years with the organization. Uh, but Peter, we definitely have shifted from the founder's role. You know, you, you're working too hard. The two previous leaders both passed away. I hope that doesn't happen to you. Well, <laughs> you um, there there are some other circumstances. The first one was 96, so I'm okay with that. Second one was quite a bit younger, but um, you know, significant health issues. That, that was yeah. he, he lived a lot longer than his siblings, but it still was a young life, unfortunately. Yeah. Well. All right. Well, I wanted to talk to you about um, culture stakeholder alignment particularly as you know you try to get you're trying to drive scale of the firm mm-hmm. and a firm like yours has been around a long time as a yep. leader in its space and maybe put yourself in a position to sell someday and the challenges associated with that so would you mind sharing some of that with us oh, one of the one of the key challenges i've had is with some of the ones that have been around for a long time you know they you know great great people great experience uh, great knowledge but they, you know, have historically seen the company as a group of individuals, uh, even though we're a C corp and been managed like a C corp for quite a long time. Uh, but it was still more of a, I want to say, club or a pyramid. I mean, it's, as you know, a lot of founders kind of run things, and and it doesn't don't look to scale. So that was probably the biggest challenge is getting people to realize that scale is important, and to develop out the way we manage, the way we're structured not just adding cost because that was attempted in the past and did not work well, but adding structure for repeatability and scalability. And that took some time to convince some of the ones that have been around for as long as I or longer than me that we actually have to shift and change because it's better for us, not just today, but it'll be better for us if there's ever an exit. So how do you get old dogs to do new tricks? Um, Give them some responsibility that they didn't have before. Um, show them other examples. You know, it's kind of you know, organizational change 101, right? Get get them to understand why they should care about it. What it, what does it mean to them? The um, remember the days when it was feast or famine. You know, getting them to remember how difficult the pain is during uh, you know early phases that we had for a long time. I mean, we didn't go the five years to try to grow. You know, start the company. It went for probably about 20 years in that feast or famine mode because we weren't scaling. We weren't doing the things that were necessary to produce repeatable revenue and other streams uh, that we really need. So it's, again, education is probably the key to that, just like any other organizational change. And then giving responsibility and some accountability as well, which was lacking. Uh, the organization was still, even though it was formed as a again, C-Corp, uh, the structure was more based on individuals selling and delivering so it was really more of a, a collaboration amongst um, individuals rather than an organizational structure that created uh, uh, roles and responsibilities. So again, one of the things it did very early on is actually develop a roles and responsibility definition that didn't exist. 
we had people that had different roles and responsibilities in theory, but nothing was defined. So that was another element that had to be done uh, to get greater appreciation of those that have been around as long as me or longer, that what we were trying to accomplish and why it was valuable to them to be on board. And fortunately, all of them bought into it. We didn't have to, we didn't lose anyone. Any of the ones that have been around as long as I have and longer all stayed and they have, they're more plugged in, they're more focused and they have, a, we have, we all have a better understanding of what the vision is for the organization instead of just getting together and, you know, selling something, delivering something. It's a bigger picture around building something, not just as individuals, but as an organization. You know, a question that I'm going to ask on behalf of the members, because I know when they listen to this and when they get to the Friday Q&A, they're going to ask this question. When you ask, you know, senior people that have been around a long time to do, quote unquote, firm building activities mm -hmm. that don't necessarily drive personal billability, could be perceived as taking a hit to personal compensation. Did you have to make any adjustments to the comp program? Actually, it's funny you ask that. We dismantled. But so what what happened is we had like three phases. We had one that was you know uh, eat what you kill, and everyone was you know basically commission based. Uh, so you were selling and you were delivering. There was no business development. Uh, so we took that away basically and created a business development group. It was one of the first pra business practices that we created. So that changed the way people were getting paid, but it was also getting people more focused in what they did. And that helped actually. So people are, are have a more consistent pay actually than before. But then, um, so that's one change we did, but there was an interim period where previous management team thought we had to put in a, a pay structure, which on one hand you do in order to, to, to you know, gain access to other people that wouldn't come if it was all pay for what you do. Uh, and But unfortunately that, that was done without actually understanding where the money was going to come from. And it it quite frankly, it put a big dent in the ability to go invest in anything in the organization and create a lot of debt, which um, you know we're all totally paid off and actually have quite a bit of money in the bank now. But that took quite a number of years. It was almost it was about a ten year period of just dealing with debt, uh, which we were able to out come out of uh, last three four years now. Uh, so we first thing I did is I killed that structure totally went back to partially to the pay for what you do, but restructured it because I added a business development team in so that people weren't so keen on just selling and delivering their own stuff. But, you know, we had a group just selling and then groups just delivering. Uh, so while we did um, minimize any kind of base salaries for the senior level people, there's, we didn't, uh, so we don't create the debt by having it and not having people do anything, but we move, remove their responsibility for selling so they can actually do what they really enjoy, which is delivery. So a yeah. number of changes we made. That's a great story. Unfortunately, it sounds like it was painful for you to go through that. I mean, 10 years of dealing with debt, that's a big burden. Unfortunately, I hear this all the time. So yeah. I'm glad that you're sharing that with us because you know part of the reason to learn from peers is to not repeat mistakes others have made. <laughs> You know, when you peek ahead to possibly exiting the firm someday in, in mm -hmm. any form that that may happen, how do you get all these people on the same page? Well, that we have had discussions in recent years about what does it mean? Uh, what What's the criteria, let's say? Uh, we've gone through some analysis as well. We have a reasonable understanding of what we're probably worth. Uh, there was a uh, look for acquisition a couple of times in the past. One, well, around the time I joined or a year or so after, and uh, I know what figures they were looking for, and the figures were ridiculously high, so it never went through. 
Um, after the president, last president passed away, people we approached us, but they didn't understand what we did. And, was, and we never got to the point where there was an offer. But in recent years, you know, where there has been some inquiries, so we did some decided to do some due diligence about three years ago to, to understand, you know, tangible value, non-tangible assets, tangible assets, all those types of things to understand what could possibly be worth. And we probably have a better understanding of what value is and how we would position ourselves. But then there's other things that people think are really important, and that still kind of working through. For example, some may say, well, the only way we'll sell is that the name stays. Well, I, I, you know, I could care less if the payment's right. I don't care what they call the company. It's kind of well irrelevant to me. Uh, so again, we're we've done some prioritization there. Uh, but again, there are some people that are more attached to certain things than they probably should be. And I, you know, I, I like your story about hey, you don't even, you know, you, you stepped aside and you let people go figure out what things are worth and everything, and not, you know, because we get so emotionally tied to things and. Uh, there are some, some of my colleagues are still mostly tied. Uh, I hope I'm not. I hope, you know, if the, the factors are right, then we would go do it because it's the right thing for us to do. Yeah. All right, Peter, my last question is um, for the group of members that are non-founders, maybe they're working with the founder, or they're handling that founder transition. Having been somebody who's come up through the ranks, so to speak, and has had several promotions and ultimately landed in the top spot. Um, any any words of wisdom to that group? Anything that if you were to do it over again, you would do differently? Uh, do differently? Probably not. Um, because as, as I've gone along, I've all, besides getting more responsibility, I've gotten more ownership, which um, you know, I, I wouldn't have done if it wasn't for the ability to go get something at the end. Now, I, I, quite frankly, I don't really care if, if I exit, I mean, I, you know, I'm happy with what I've been doing. I have the flexibility I want to have. I mean, it's a lot of other benefits being in a boutique that we all know about uh, and, and getting paid paid as I want and so on. Um, to, to get a, a cash out at the end, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that if it's the right situation for the organization. It's not about me. It's about the organization. And we've, we, we did an acquisition a few years ago, and the founder of that company came to me and said, I want to find a place for my people. And I thought that was a nice a nice thing to do. And but it was a, a great opportunity. It didn't cost us much, but we got a, a number of uh, really good resources, which we still have to to this day. That type of thing, I mean, that was a fire sale because he was he was dying, unfortunately, and he wanted to find. And it was nice that he found to find a nice place for his people. We're not in that situation. I hope we're we're not never in that situation. So if we were going to be acquired, then it has to be the right fit and the right payout and all the wonderful things that could go along with that right kind of connection. But, uh, you know, I would I would do the same thing I did before is, you know, um, get the right type of ownership, the right type of, you know, control and the right type of people around you. When uh, the previous president passed away, we decided what as a group of a few of us that were already owners, uh, how would we split that up because there was stock coming back into the company? Uh, how would we divide that up? And, you know, I got quite a bit of increase. So I have. Um, you know, a reasonable share of the company. We have a stock plan, though, that no one can have more than 50% of the company, actually no more, 49 and a half or whatever it is. But, you know, I have my fair share. My other, there's two other my colleagues that have their fair share, and then there's two others that have a, a, a small share. So that, to me, that's important. Uh, it was always important, and it still is important in order to, you know, one, have control, and the other one is to have not just control, like from a role and responsibility perspective, but also from an ownership perspective. Um, I really honestly can't think of what I wouldn't do. Maybe 
you know, the 10 years were painful and I had very little ownership at that time and very little responsibility. But I think in the end, it, I still had the flexibility that I wanted to have. So it was okay. Uh, I could have looked for other job and probably gotten paid more at the time, but I still wouldn't have had as much fun and had the control that I have to this day. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, unfortunately, we try to keep these shows short. So we're at our time here. And I know that's probably late in the evening where you are. So on behalf of the members, um, this is a really interesting subject to hear from somebody like yourself who did not found the firm, but is running the firm. And that generational story that you share with us and getting stakeholder alignment was really important. So thanks a bunch, Peter. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, so for those that are in professional services that are listening to this and want to belong to a community and meet really interesting people like Peter, consider applying to Collective 54, and you can at collective54.com. And if you want to read about this subject and others, you can pick up a copy of my book, The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm. You can find that on our website, collective54.com, or you can buy it on Amazon. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to our next episode.